Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second Sex Sales Podcast of 2021. And this is the podcast where a relationship therapist talks to a comedian about all things gender, sex, dating, and Society, everything else culture. related, right? <laughs> just everything. Everything important. Yeah, everything really important. Yeah, <laughs> you just get comments that are like, oh, so many crazy political things happen and you're talking about this. I'm like, well, why are you listening? Yeah, what, yeah. It's called sex cells. What do you think it's going to be? What do you want about? us? To, you know, sure. Subscribe to us if you want us to talk about something else. There's so <laughs> many podcasts. Listen to whatever you want to listen to. Yeah. Evolutionary biology, evolutionary psychology. Those are things that I, when I listen to those sorts of people on like Joe Rogan and that, I really, I'm really intrigued by so that. So juicy. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love this, like the science behind. Yeah. Uh, who we are as as humans and our proclivities and you know was we're an animal at the end of the day and it's really it's always really intriguing to analyze that mm. from a you know from almost a scientist's perspective or a psychologist's perspective uh i find that very interesting so true so true mm. and sometimes you like learn these things later in life and you're like how have i this makes so much sense how did i go my whole life without knowing this oh yeah yeah and so. then you know everything about – it offers so much insight into the people around you. It's hard not to listen to those things and then be like, ah, that explains yeah. why she's a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Analyzing their personality types and, mm. you know, their love styles, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Is, uh, I like I, – I really enjoy that. Oh, that was – love languages was the biggest trend of 2020, I reckon, <laughs> in terms of relationships. You think like, so? And like it was like early the year, everyone Break, was talking about it. It was a big trend of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Getting true. divorced. Yeah. Fighting. <laughs> You're not meeting my love language. Yeah. Let's hope that that doesn't, uh, the, 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 the breaking up thing doesn't continue, but who we'll knows? See. Who knows? Um, so I thought it would be nice to do a podcast where we actually just, Talk about each other's, uh, you know, you talk about your background, I talk about my background and, you know, I'm interested in to, to know what got you into these subjects, when did you want to become a relationship therapist, why, mm. all these sorts of things. We've touched on it in previous podcasts um, and I think the first one we sort of more just spoke about what we think about and what we're interested in in the current moment but I think let's do one where we just sort of unpack each other's history leading up to where you are now and, and me, you know, choosing to do a, a bloody relationship podcast, which would have been pretty unexpected for most people. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, that sounds good. Well, uh, I'm into it. Beautiful. Let's well, go deep. Yeah, lady, ladies first. You <laughs> tell me, uh, is that a sexist thing now? I don't know. But <laughs> ladies, um, you tell me, first tell me like a bit about your childhood and then the adolescence and everything like what got you interested in these sorts of things were you always a people person when did you think to yourself okay i want to be a therapist i want to be a sexologist you know that's yeah. such a crazy uh profession so tell me a bit about your uh your upbringing yeah i mean i don't really have a it's a very simple kind of story that makes a lot of sense of mm. how i got to where i am i think um I was brought, my mum's a yoga teacher, my dad is a meditation teacher. Mm. So spirituality and kind of psychology has always just been a part of um, my upbringing, I guess. And I, I definitely felt that I could 
um, see that during my adolescence that I was very much able to emotionally regulate, whereas my peers, as most teenagers, couldn't. Mm. Um, And I think because of that, I I know I learned to emotionally regulate because my dad, my dad wrote um, a book called The Little Book of Calm. So as you can probably- recommendation for everyone. (laughs) It's very old. Um, But we had a calm household and everything was dealt with in a calm kind of manner and um, in a healthy way. So I'm very blessed with that kind of upbringing to have that. But I think that having these um, just personality traits that to me were really normal and- um, Going through teenage years, a lot of my um, girls in, in at school would come to me a lot for issues. Even girls I didn't know or girls from different years just would come to me as like all the time being like, hey, uh, my friend told me I could talk to you. Wow. Can we talk about this? And so you were already the therapist of us. You know that, um, that kid in that show Sex Education? Where he like starts oh, doing, he has a, his mom's a sex therapist. Uh, okay. And then he goes to school and um, I can't oh, remember how it starts. It. And then he starts giving like sex or relationship therapy, I guess, to all of his like peers. That basically <laughs> happened to me because when you're a teenager, you don't really settle into long term relationships either and I had a a boyfriend from 14 to 18 or 19 so basically through all of high school Mm. so every single person would be like my boyfriend did this what do I do because no one had had a boyfriend for more than a month or two when they were 14 or 15 Mm. so I think that's kind of really embedded in me an interest in in relationships and I think the the pivotal moment for me um and sex therapy was actually during high school when I was 17 and we had um I went to an all-girls Catholic school so they were very much our sex education was terrible and it was you never knew about anything and it was very Mm. like by the books why because you said your parents were well they sound quite progressive yeah just out of curiosity why did they why do you think they put you into a Catholic school it seems something that they those just, sorts of parents wouldn't have done. Yeah, I mean, I asked that all. My mom says to me all the time, and she still says this, that she wanted to send me to like a Steiner school, like one of those like hippie That's schools on ex- Byron expected. Bay. <laughs> and she was trying really hard to convince my dad to do that. Um, but my dad is very like, he's very business oriented and he really like success yeah. and career progression is very important to him. And he was yeah. like, let's pick the most prestigious school in our area and send okay. her there. Um, Still from the North Shore. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> North Shore. Um, so I, um, if, ironically, I did really terrible during school and I was such a troublemaker. I was always, always in trouble and they wanted to expel me. And um, For what? What sort of stuff did you do? <laughs> Um, I was just like a bit like I've always been a little bit of like an activist, I think, um, and a little bit of a, okay. a dickhead. And as a, when you're a teenager, it comes across as cocky, and I was cocky, I guess, in that in that sense of the way like I refused to dissect frogs, um, okay. and they. I yeah. remember once they changed. Um, are the iced tea brand that they sold in the canteen and one of them was cruelty free and one of them was like used like terrible um animal testing the brand and and, like child slavery and things like this so then i got like 600 students to sign a petition to change it back and just like those kind of things that they they were trying to expel you for that no it was just that i was going around causing a lot of drama or being like you, um, yeah. if I needed to pee and the teacher said no, 
I'd be like, actually, you can't say no to me. Like, you can't refuse <laughs> me as an individual to use the bathroom. What will you do? You're going to give me detention because I need to urinate. Like, I was constantly debating back and forth with teachers that's about a, their decisions and being like, well, hang on, aren't you teaching us about how dissident. we need to be like develop our living skills and independence and yet I can't choose when I'm going to go to the bathroom, those yeah. kind of things. Like my school was ridiculous. I once got a detention because I had a hair elastic on my wrist and that's against uniform policy. <laughs> so you wouldn't believe the letters I oh, wrote man. to the school after that being like, this is pathetic kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can't imagine you having gone to a strict Catholic school yeah. like that. That's really – uh. It's funny, a lot of uh, people who are very much, you know, activists and quite mm. uh, passionate about, well, socially left political causes went to really traditional private and, and Catholic yeah. schools, right? Whereas, uh, you know, some of my mates that grew up in and, and went to nothing bad or anything, but just the local public or whatever, they're the ones that are more like, oh, shut up. Like, Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Kind of that easygoing nature. It's ironic how that happens. I actually went to um, World Youth Day, I think it was, I think it's called, and it was in Spain. I went in year 10 with Whoa. my school, which is like where the Pope comes through. And there was like two and a half million people there um, celebrating it and they had this program for kids in school. And so there was like 60,000 kids that went from all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't that religious, but I was like, hell yeah, Spain. And I was a little bit kind of um, Catholic and none of, no one in my family was. It was just me. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll go and have a spiritual awakening. My boyfriend was super Catholic, uh, my high school boyfriend. So I thought, well, why not? So I went. And then when I was sitting through like these hours and hours of um, like church things that they forced us to sit through, the things they were saying about the way we need to live and, and how we need to do this and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong angered me so much. And I went there Catholic and came back and was like, I'm Buddhist. Like I was just furious. And, you know, I was like, this is Amazing. 2010 and they're still saying if you're in a gay relationship um, to kids, this is at a stadium with 20,000 kids sitting there. They were saying, if you're in a gay relationship, God will not accept you into heaven. To 20,000 children, <laughs> they said that. And wow. I was like 50 rows back being like, oh, <laughs> And then, but yeah. But so, that, wouldn't you have known, you, you know, that, that are, those are pretty sta stock standard Catholic beliefs. Wouldn't that have been sort of expected when you well, went there? Well, I mean, no, because I went because I thought it was a trip to Spain that school would pay for. So yeah, okay. I didn't. I thought we'd have maybe one or two like church events, and I was like, you know what? It'll be a cultural experience that I can sit through and deal with. But it was yeah. hours of church every day. <laughs> Damn, sounds like well, Catholic schools are like that as well, where they kind of like, like hell, ironically enough. Yeah, like well, that was what I mean by the the sex education at my school is they're not even if you're in a strict. I'm not sure if it's still like this. Yeah. Um, in schools, but it's when, abstin abstinence only, right? Where yeah. They just so you say, don't have sex. They don't talk about different ways to have sex. They don't talk about methods. Like I think it's important to say to children, a lot of people when you're having sex are going to ask, can I just pull out? And is that going to be the most effective, you know, sex or whatever a method to avoid pregnancy? No, but it is a method and it's not always successful. Like, and you know, another method is the birth control or this. People don't 
talk about that with kids in school Mm. and then what ends up happening they all get chlamydia and they all end up you know with pregnancy scares or not knowing no one ever taught us about consent or like coercion and things like that until I had this woman come into our school and speak to my year and Mm. she never came back after this because she pissed off the school was like shocked at her and she basically had this sex education talk finally um the only one we ever had and she was like look at some stage you're going to want to have a a dick in you so let's talk about yeah like let's talk about how this this is going to happen how old were the we were in year 10 or 11, and so like 17, uh, 16, 17. At some stage, so age you're going to want to have a dick in yeah. you. And, she, and then I she like talked that. about lesbian sex and, and gay sex and all kinds of sex. And then she had like these diagrams being like, if you fuck this guy and he's fucked all these girls and they've never won protection, then you've essentially had sex with 18 people when you've only had sex with And I was like, this <laughs> woman is my life goal. <laughs> Wow. So that just set out my path. I was like, okay, I know I'm going to study now. Bye. Do you, have you ever messaged her being like, hey, you know, you came to my school? No, because I can't. You... I don't even know her name or anything like that. Or okay. I, nothing. Well, a very uh, vocal sex ed teacher out in the North Shore somewhere. Look, you've inspired someone. Yeah. So if you're listening, yes. she might be. This is a podcast you might be listening to. Uh, Thank you. There you go. Yeah, because yeah. it's um, it's a, oh, it's an interesting thing when your your school is trying to like discourage this from children. I think they yeah. kids are going to have sex, and we need to accept that. And it's it should be the school's responsibility to educate them. It shouldn't always be up to parents because a lot of children can't access that kind of education at home. It's just that it's so politicized because uh, it will a lot of sex education would sort of conflict with many religious and cultural beliefs. Yeah. And that's the main obstacle, I'm, I'm assuming, that parents don't want their kids to learn that sort of sex education mm-hmm. because it's, uh, it's dangerous and they don't want them to live that life. And I suppose if they've put children into a Catholic school, they'd expect a Catholic style of sex education so i think that the sex education should be mandatory for 16 and up then at least even though kids mm. are having sex much younger at least then that's the age of consent if you can consent to sex you can consent to whether or not you receive sex education and most kids will want to receive it like they love it they find it hilarious and juicy <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> i think yeah there should be like at least some sort of education that doesn't necessarily conflict with surely you could say it in a way that you know a lot of you are maybe religious and catholic some people are not and if they do have sex Mm. uh, at a younger age before marriage this is some of the risks associated with or even when you get married here's what you can expect with sex kind of things or whatever you'd think surely there'd be a way that they can find a middle ground without because if you're almost saying look these are the risks associated how's that gonna that's 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 probably gonna be a deterrent right so i don't see how that then would uh, conflict with what your social goals may be, which are to, you know, have people not have uh, premarital sex. But anyway, that's a that's a um, different oh, kind of can it. of worms. Yeah. Okay, so that was the moment that lady came to your school and then you thought, there's something I want to do, and then you just yeah, went well, through that. And- I've always kind of had like this torn um, 
path of whether or not I wanted to like do the selfish part of me wants to do like sex therapy because I know people were comfortable talking to me about sex and issues like that and it's a vulnerable topic to talk about when people Mm -hmm. have issues that intimate issues um and I know that it's a it's a relatively great and easy career to have in terms of you sit and you listen to these people's stories and you talk them through. So it's kind of torn between that and also really torn between helping like genuine people uh, in need and that that was more important for society. So I had decided in the end, like all through high school, I did thousands of hours of like volunteer work with old people and disabled kids and then as soon as I turned 18 I started working with um vulnerable youth and I and I still am working in with families and um vulnerable youth and I get to implement the therapeutic part where as well as that support of like at-risk family um support best of both worlds so I thought you know what like until I'm 30 Mm. I'm gonna do as, as much as I can to benefit like vulnerable communities and then when i've put my whole heart and soul into this and i'm burned out and i can't bear anymore then i'll go to sex therapy and live the kush life and you know (laughs) make that dosh make the dosh yeah that's a very mature and noble decision (laughs) and it it actually makes sense a lot of people might put off their uh, urge for altruism or charity till their later years whereas when you're in your 20s you're you have the most energy and yeah it's probably people are probably there's nothing wrong with being an elderly volunteer but they're much more grateful if they see a younger person yeah because uh, it's it's rarer uh so exactly good on you that's uh that's a fantastic life path so far so far so far so good you know feeling um like a i've had a really good blessing with my the life and being born I guess in this country and in Sydney and Mm. the way I was brought up always feel really lucky for that and not everyone has those kind of privileges I totally Mm -hmm. recognize that I am the epitome of a privileged white girl on the North Shore but I do try to give back as much as I possibly can um but but I want to know how um how you kind of got? Oh, that was very quick. Curious though. Curious about what is about, only eighteen minutes in, so it was a good life. Still, you know, nice, quick, that's a little, brief. Yeah, I'm not going to go too autobiography deep. There. There's nothing too juicy in my life story, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have like some trauma where I was like, you sex got, therapy you, is the path. You got a lot of interesting ex-boyfriend stories. Oh yeah. There's a lot of every. You think we've heard about all of it and then another podcast comes and you're like man we haven't even yeah, gone this through guy got upset because he didn't because i didn't walk him to the door and yeah it's just like, i was a serial dater i've always so had boyfriends long. or dating like it's pretty it's pretty uh colorful i'm <laughs> sure it is maybe yeah. you need to write a book yeah you know that um to that movie that cringe one on netflix where it's like to all the boys i've loved before or something i should do that but an actual like, here's what you did that was weird and crazy, and don't stalk people in the future yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But then you should get them to also write like the rebuttal kind of what they might experience. have thought was a bit intense or yeah or weird. It is interesting because it's funny that I guess I'm only just realizing this now that I'm I'm often saying to people that have like turbulent relationships who's the common denominator here yeah is it you or is it them and in in that situation it 
it was me as the common denominator. But I, I know hey, I'm, I'm not a crazy go. girlfriend and no one's no, ever but broken maybe up with me. you're attracted to crazy. I am, exactly. So, I have been. That's I've worked through that. fixer. I certainly, certainly was. I actually had, when in um in our industry, when you work in like social work or, mm. or, or therapy or psychology, any of those kind of avenues, you have to get something called supervision, which is like mm. usually once a month. And essentially it means you have to meet with the clinical psychologist mm-hmm. and or, or a senior, like a manager and kind of delve into Things that closer, yeah. things that you the camera frame. Oopsie, <laughs> uh, things that you've been like experiencing or, or things you're struggling with at work or unpacking things. Yeah. And so I had to in my old job see this. Well, we all had to see this one guy who was a really well known clinical psychologist, amazing, and he offered a lot of insight. Um, I guess to me because I'd come in and be like, "What's going on with work?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, it's fine. Like, mm. I don't struggle with anything. I don't really feel the need for this. Like, I don't need to debrief or vent. Everything's okay." And then he was like, "Well, why don't we talk about just like you in in general as a person?" And I was like, "I can't think of any like issues that I have that I need to have support in dealing with. I'm generally really, really happy and and." doing i feel very healthy emotionally mm. anyway so he was no like, need to brag he well this is <laughs> this is con- important context mm-hmm. and so he was like okay and he was like can can i give you these like little um like tests to do and i was like okay sure so we spent a few hours doing these um uh, tests where you scale yourself you look at the photos like all these things and i was like oh this is cool because i'd never like seen a psychologist or done anything um where I'm being analyzed yeah. rather than me analyzing someone else. And so when we got the results from it, he basically said that on the scale of, I guess, general like optimism and happiness and, and feeling like your, your self-worth and um, comfort in like your life, I was in the top 99th percent um of people and most people would sit around 50% and that's considered normal and healthy. But I was so up on this scale, which initially I was like, okay, cool. That's, is that good? That's a good thing. Like, right. And he was like, well, not necessarily uh, because you can, you can fail to Uh, see issues in, in yourself or, um, or other people because, and I definitely have had that. I've spoken about that before where I will see someone who may have these traits or a stranger even and be like, yeah, he's just trying. He's just, he's, he's getting through what he's dealing with, what he's got. Like it's, we've got to be compassionate to him rather than being like, dude, this guy's a psycho. Like I need to yeah, like right, right, piss right. off. So in the, in the few years since then, I've, I've worked on that a lot. And the craziness factor of people I've been involved with has drastically dropped because he basically said to me, if you're up this side of the scale, people that are down on the other end that are turbulent, really unhappy or um, very emotionally unstable uh-huh. are going to be drawn to you like a moth to flame because you embody what they want in themselves. But at the same point, I'm drawn to them because it's kind of like that's what I need to balance myself more and bring me into balance. Gosh. So it's this. In- it was an interesting kind of insight to me and I was like, so that's why. I have had so many psychos in my life because essentially I was letting it happen or whether or not it was like not 
giving consent, like, hey, yeah, stalk me, but like a um, an energy of being approachable and being like, um, I'm going to make that person feel comfortable and feel okay even when they're doing like yeah. really messed up things. So now I'm a bit Ooh. like, hell no, kind of thing. <laughs> so but, would would you say it was naivety or? Yeah, yeah it, okay. or I don't think it was, I don't know, because I was, I always was aware of, things that were happening to me hmm. and I, I would never be like I forgive you let's go out and date again anytime I was someone showed red flags I've always been like sorry like this is not okay course, for me yeah. but I think that I um have was failing to see the the shadow or the dark side of people because I just didn't really look for that or if I did it wasn't ever that concerning like my best friend and I think we're best mates because we have this kind of like yin yang balance Mm. when if we met the same person which has happened multiple times like not as a romantic we just meet a guy when we're out together and we're chatting to him or whatever she would be like um I would say like oh he was so nice he was so funny and Mm. how funny was it when he said this and oh he was really cute when he talked about his dog I I wanted to see more pictures and she would like come back from that reflection of meeting him and be like oh my god he was so creepy he just walked up to two girls like that's disgusting so she was kind of too far one end and I'm kind of too far the other like so that we, we put each other in balance we we studied together um counseling and and behavioral science and we literally work the same job as well so it's it's this interesting little balance that we had this little yin yang thing but beautiful yeah so no more crazies for the last few years (laughs) well a few that's good yeah change that trend yes nice yes exactly okay Mm -hmm. cool well, there we go. That's so now, will you tell me why you get were get to know Eliza, right? Now to uh, get, get to know Neil. Get to know get Neil. To know the cog dog. <laughs> well, start start by telling me why um why you wanted to even like kind of get get into this or your interest mm. in in this because our first ever conversation about this topic was on Instagram and we were having like a debate about like monogamy non-monogamy what's better for society and like we've never even met <laughs> yeah yeah and then uh i was talking about the books i've read on the subject yeah. and yeah i'd say two years ago i read a few probably not as i haven't read as, as broadly as someone who's actually in the industry has but i know a little bit i think i know i have a little bit of a yeah. rudimentary knowledge on i guess just um well relationships and and you know i've obviously experienced that uh you would hope <laughs> by 26 um but also just experienced it in the in a modern context in the modern age and okay let me backtrack a little bit uh i was always a comedian obviously and that throughout high school i was the class clown i was the performer mm-hmm. uh i my parents were just, I don't know, there's nothing really like, they weren't super Indian or strict in any mm. way. They were a bit more on the stricter side compared to, I'd say, like the average white parents, if you will. So mm. they were always a bit, my, they were always open to me doing performing and going into the arts, but they always did say, well, try to get a degree as well. And, yeah. You know, have a backup. Mm. Um, so I... 
started doing that from about 10. So I found my passion really young as well. I uh, auditioned for a primary school musical uh, as a joke to impress a girl. And I think I might have said this on a podcast before, but uh, because I was auditioning as a joke, all the other guys were taking it really seriously and I just had fun with it. So I got it. Isn't got that the funny? Lead. Yeah. What a life lesson. Didn't get the girl, but I got the lead. <laughs> and uh, I loved it. Loved every second of it. Loved being in the spotlight and, you know, yeah, having that attention and just I was good at it. I had mm. a knack for it. And from then on, all my weekends and, you know, after schools were doing drama classes, doing theater sports. I was still doing sport, but uh, I that's where I'm very grateful for my parents being able to, you know, one, afford that, but also uh, in- encourage that. Mm-hmm. You know, they were still saying, make sure you study, make sure you do well in your tests, but they're more than happy for me to do. I was doing so much. I was doing um, this sort of state drama thing twice a week, and then I was doing this weekend classes, and I was doing night or short courses. And wow. so I did everything. In in like high school, I was just like a prodigy. I did all the extracurricular drama stuff and and that was my life. Like that was just my passion. And I'd sort of really had tunnel vision on I want to be, first it was I want to be an actor. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to do it. I'm going to mm-hmm. be an actor. I want to be a famous actor. Uh, and then I was really good at sort of comedic acting and characters. And I said, all right, I want to be like the next Eddie Murphy, right? Right. I want to be the next, well, Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. I still do. <laughs> but uh, then uh, I also, the natural progression was, all right, try stand-up comedy. So... I did that and I like won this national tournament in high school. Oh, wow. Uh, I won the state. Well, I, sorry, our team won the state um, theater sports competition. And, you know, not many public schools win that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to brag, but I was good. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was good at what I did. And that was always what I wanted to do. But I was so good at that and I felt so comfortable at that because I felt so it felt so natural uh it was somewhere where I could excel and uh feel like I you know uh had this immense talent whereas every other aspect of high school I wouldn't say I struggled with but you know I'd go to parties and things but I wasn't exactly the most uh I was popular in the sense everyone knew me but Mm. I wasn't exactly you know the uh the guy everyone was like drinking with and like yeah. or like I didn't get much attention from girls at all. Uh I did I spent a lot of time when I wasn't doing acting and drama and things, I was either studying or probably just like watching porn, honestly. <laughs> Literally, yeah. And um Bless. Yeah. I just didn't if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the the drama and the comedy and all the, that I, I don't I I wouldn't have had a very good time at high school at all. Wow. But uh, because of that, I loved it, right? That was what I looked forward to all the time. And, yeah, I had such a tunnel vision on that. I never, yeah, I never really had a relationship in high school at all. I had Mm -hmm. crushes on girls and things, but nothing. I was very shy. Uh, Well, I was a great performer, right? Mm -hmm. So that, it's funny because I probably am similar to like a Chris Lilly, right? Like I can be so, I can let, when I was a character, I let loose. I was so confident and I felt like I could just do these things that I wouldn't otherwise do as myself because I was so shy mm. and and just really diffident and and not probably lacked a lot of self-worth um so as most adolescents do but I think mine was particularly pronounced um 
so yeah, I just really like held on to that, the acting and the characters. That's amazing. um, I think that's a big reason I was so good at it was because it was almost, uh, it was a way for me to feel really comfortable. And it was, I really think it was, I mean, it's very different, but you know, people would like split personalities because they can then like let go of the pain in there. I don't think I had any real immense, like Mm. crazy pain or anything, but there was so much awkwardness and anxiety and just things that were uncomfortable and didn't make me feel good. Mm. Whereas when I'm a character, I'm like, great, you know, yeah. don't have to worry about that. I can, yeah. you know, entertain people, be really good at it as well. Mm. Um, so I think that, and this is sounding like I still had a really great high, high school and adolescence, right? It wasn't anything, mm. nothing really malicious or terrible happened. I guess I was just a bit of a, I just was, wasn't really good at anything else. It was just like I was so good at it. I was good at maths, obviously, because I'm Indian, right? <laughs> but uh, I was so good at that. And I took a gap year and I just kept doing that. And then even then, like I was a, was a virgin till I was 19. And then even then it was this kind of awkward, drunken encounter. And I was so insecure about it. Aww. And I just, yeah, but no, it was bad. Like I watched way too much porn mm. and I... um didn't have a good time with uh, with dating at all mm-hmm. and parties and hooking up. None of that. Like it never really – I remember my first kiss, right, it was after high school. There was a party and um, I was a bit drunk. She was very drunk as well. She just – well, I mean, if a guy did it to a girl, it would probably be called like assault, right? But I don't – and I, and I don't <laughs> really care because it was like I was so nervous. I'm glad like yeah. that actually happened. She just kind of grabbed me and, and took the reins. Yeah, put a tongue in my mouth. And um, I was like, oh, what's <laughs> happening? But then it was finally like, I finally got my first Aww. kiss right. Um, God, so, yeah. Um, That's so cute. And then, um, because, you know, when you're 18 and that, there's so much about, you know, most of my friends would have probably lost their virginity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt, I was so insecure about it. Like it was, really unbearable actually and then i started reading things like the game and going onto some websites you know some of those manosphere type websites and they Mm. were you know they were a solace like they sort of helped me understand the world a little bit and made me feel better about myself and even though some of them were pretty you know unhealthy ideas that i would now definitely unsubscribe from uh but uh at the time yeah, it was a way to sort of intellectualize the, the you know, I wouldn't call it immense pain, but like little bouts of pain I was maybe going through. Yeah. Um, but then I suddenly got, well, yeah, famous, right? Like I went <laughs> viral and like I was just this is like. What was the moment you went viral? Australian Two Minutes. Uh, there was a video I did before that called My Impression of Teenage Girls. And honestly, if you looked at that, you'd probably this would make sense, right? Because it's very like, it's it's yeah, it's it's almost like resentful, uh, yeah. but it's still very funny. <laughs> and um, even in my early videos, it's just like me in my room going psycho. Like I was obviously a, like a bit of a loser, right? Aww. I wouldn't say loser, but I, you know, I detached from society. Yeah. I didn't really like um, involve myself in the social side of things. And when I did, I didn't enjoy it. I was like, got to go home, got to make a video, got to, mm-hmm. you know, got to go home, got to, study or something like that i'd be avoiding you know Mm. social it wasn't like i was super shy either it was just as soon as it came to like making um you know being forward uh in a dating context or sexually or anything like that i just froze up and i didn't know what to do and so common 
It is, especially yeah. now with the, yeah. you know, I wonder if I hadn't watched all that porn, what would have happened? You know, who knows? <laughs> then, I don't know, it would have been something bad, but no, I don't think I would have done that. But um, I uh, then, yeah, so I, in fact, that was, funnily enough, that was probably the reason I lost my virginity and go recognize me from that video. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, God, who knows what would have happened if I hadn't had that video. Um, and then... I still struggled, even though I was like, it was funny because like everyone was like, oh, you're so famous now. Everyone knows you. You must be getting so many girls and things. And I was like, uh huh, yeah. Like <laughs> I wasn't. I was yeah. at home just making videos, right? I wasn't really, um, it sounds really sad. Like I was really enjoying it. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like I was, I was living, living my life. dream at yeah. 19. I didn't expect to be at yeah. that position. And I was touring and I was suddenly going like all over Australia and, then I started to get a bit better. I started to get a bit more confident and, you know, had a bit more experience, I guess, if you will. But I always still had held on to a lot of resentment about, you know, well, society. And I did almost have uh, oh, now I look back and I don't know if I'd say sexist, but uh, mm. controversial views. Mm. Um, and I didn't grow up in a conservative household or anything, but I did sort of, you know, think, oh, it's so easy for girls. I get everything now. And, like, yeah. feminism is just you, that kind of mentality, yeah. right? And I sort of tiptoed in between one one uh, for a while. I'm like, oh, no, I want to – I just want to get married and, like, have a very responsible life and just focus on my career. And then I'm like, no, I just want to hook up and party all the time. Mm. And, you know, I was just so unsure. And I wasn't – I didn't know who I was. I wasn't myself. Um, and then, yeah, I did, I dated this, you know, wonderful girl for, for a little bit. Um, she was in Melbourne actually, and that was fun, but it was hard doing distance. And also I was so still emotionally immature and I, uh, it didn't end badly or anything, but yeah, it was a bit, I was pretty emotional just in general. Right. Mm. And I guess I did get a bit jealous and things. Uh, then there was this, um, then I kind of went through this like real Jordan Peterson type phase where I was like, I've got to, yeah, I want to get married by 26 and mm. start a fan. I've got my career sorted. And, you know, I never really thought about other life skills. I just thought I'm so successful at this comedy thing and anyone would want me. Like I did think that way. It was bad, mm. but, um, uh, yeah, I, I met someone and then we had a very intense, what I would now say is a bit of a toxic relationship. Um, also from Melbourne, funnily enough. I don't know why that kept happening. And Melbourne girls beware. He's yeah. Neil on the prowl. Um, yeah, watch out. Um, and, yeah, it was just your classic, oh, absolutely was in love. I want to marry this girl. I want to be with her forever. I, why is she doing this to me? Mm. I'm upset. You know, she's making me feel this way. And, I, yeah, I did. That's why, like I was talking about in the last podcast, I probably was, I had elements of emotional abuse. Mm. But I don't think she was innocent either. You know, it was just a really toxic kind of, it was great when it was great. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Uh, and that it didn't even last that long. But th when that ended, that was just a real, that was the lowest point in my life, actually. Mm. Um you know, I just was questioning everything then. Do I even want it? I was even like not really enjoying my comedy and videos that much. If you, if it just wasn't that long ago. 2018, I posted one video to my YouTube channel. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I was just not – I, I, and there were things going on in the comedy in my career as well that I was really angry about. And, you know, there's so much 
it's politics and and like these kind of ideologies with um, the comedy industry and the arts industry in Australia that didn't really compute with me well. And and there was all it's probably why I'm so passionate about all that like anti woke stuff. Mm. Um, so there were just there were myriad factors that had just sort of like culminated in that one point where I'm like I got to really like look at everything right. And I had so many things that were like, you know, I was a famous comedian. I, was, I had a full-time job in the arts. I like was very, for a 22, 23-year-old, I was like financially doing amazingly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, I just wasn't, it's such a cliche, but yeah, I just wasn't happy yeah. at all. And because of that relationship, I was like, I need to, what happened? Like, I need to learn about this. And then I get... When I want to learn about something and, and you know, uh, get better at it, I get obsessed. Yeah, you resolve everything with logic. You're like, I need <laughs> yeah, to know the I, rational that's explanation. My thing. Science, biology, yep. psychology. Yep. It's your all logic. It's exactly yeah. that. So I listened to all yeah. these podcasts, read as much as I yeah. could, learned about relationships, about the physiological differences between men and women, the love styles, the like, mm. the kind of therapy. Esther Perel is still my favorite of all the books Same. I read. She's the best. She's my you, god. You've got to read her. She will. It will change your life if you have any doubts about relationship and in, intimacy and stuff. And and then I also just worked on myself a lot. I I was like, all right, comedy is great and it's going really well for me. Let me actually work on other sides of me. So I built, I um developed a lot more hobbies and I um. I always worked out, but I started working out a lot more and I uh, really got into a proper routine and, you know, actually that was when I started doing all the houseplants and things. Yeah. Have, has anyone, have you got videos of your, your plants? I got a few Instagram stories. He's yeah. got like 80 plants in here. Yeah, I can't. It's about 60. I don't know about oh, 80. Oh, okay. There's a lot. 60. They're, There's a bloody lot of They look great plants. right now, actually. I need there. some tips because <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> they're all. Every says. single one of them is so healthy. <laughs> Do you have to repot them? Sometimes, yeah. Wow. Sometimes. Good. That's interesting. Green thumb. They do look great, don't they? Right there. Yeah. yeah. That actually made me, every time I was so cringe, but like when I was gardening, I felt really happy. And Connected that's why. With nature. Yeah. And Easy, so yeah. I think that's why I went so crazy with it because I was like, this makes me feel, this is giving me a reprieve from what I was enduring. Mm. And then um, I also don't think, you know, what I went, there's people who've gone through so much worse and we're sort of in this era where it's always like, you know, I don't want people to feel sorry for me or anything. It's just, I'm just telling you, you know, what happened. Um, and that's, yeah, to, to sort of cut that, to, to sort of, I guess, get to the, precipice of that story that was where i got so interested in this sort of stuff mm. and you know i remember even having a conversation with jordan i was always friends with jordan but he was telling me about you know a book like sex at dawn and i was still in my very no i think society's progressed too far and you know we're too we're just in a hookup culture and we need to go back and we need to you know i had mm. i took so much pride in like no i'm gonna be that good husband and you know not after you know um that, you know, that sort of mentality, right? Yeah. And uh, then that really changed when I actually read a lot yeah. and learned about, well, just human biology, but mm. also where monogamy maybe came from and things like mm. that. And I, um, 
really started to question things a lot more and, and question what I actually even wanted to do. And the biggest thing that I think I realize is like relationships are the probably the most important thing in our lives. Absolutely. And we're not, yeah. there's no relationship subject at school. Mm. There's no, you're just supposed to learn from your parents, right? Mm. There's just nothing. And just five of those books I read, if every person had read those the world would on I honestly think the world would be a better place because no one teaches you these yes, things and they're so and they're true. often such simple things. Honestly. And yeah. it's just sort of I just sort of thought, well, I started involving it in my comedy a lot more and I started really thinking about it. You know, it was consuming a lot of my um uh mental <laughs> faculties even. But um then I was I, I, yeah, 2019, I really turned things around. I was a lot happier and I just uh, I was really enjoying making videos again. I sort of changed my philosophy about it a lot and I was very proficient. You know, I made like I was back to making weekly videos and I just felt great. Um, and so I started the podcast with Jordan and then I always thought, well, I got all this like equipment and everything and I've got someone who's editing for me. I've got the time and I'm enjoying it. Why not start a second one? And I thought, well, what do I want to do? Well, there's so many podcasts of just comedians talking with other comedians. What can I do that's a little bit different? What am I interested in right now? Well, the relationship thing. And and what's really big on the internet right now, this whole gender war going on. Mm. Oh, men have it worse. Women have it worse. Comment sections that are just this, uh, you know, cesspit of um, squabbling and, yeah, (laughs) hatred. And I thought, well... Let me actually find a, like a, a woman who's really educated on this subject, who's not just a comedian. Not that there's anything wrong with being just a comedian, um, and actually start a podcast like that. Wow, you just manifested and me, then it, and then and we just came, bumped into each then, other on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And then, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> and then the rest is history. So here we are. That's my little uh, background to. Uh, I guess how I got to, and that's why I'm very sympathetic to like, I'm also a bit harsh sometimes, but to guys that are struggling and maybe do have that, you know, a bit of like that incel mentality and are a bit resentful and angry at the, at the world because they're not getting the success with women that they, Mm. you know, that they think they desire because they are, and they're not lying when they say I'm a nice guy. They're like, they're, they are, they really are. And um, it is disheartening when you try so hard and you are honest and you're really open, yet there is a guy that is a fuckboy that's just like plowing through women. It, it kills you, right? And mm. and so I do sympathize with because I was that. Like I sympathize with that so much. Mm. But at the same time, I also understand what it takes to sort of get out of that mentality and what you need to do. And it often does come to the individual and, and working on yourself. And... Um, I understand both those uh, ideas. Yeah. And uh, that's where, yeah, I think these these sort of issues and um, trends are just continuing to uh, go forth. Mm. And uh, I think more and more people are starting to talk about, you know, like hookup culture and online dating. And, and how, sharing their stories and experiences yep. when we wouldn't, we didn't do that, I guess, in the past. It wasn't really appropriate or you'd be slut shamed or something. Yeah, that as yeah. well. And I think it's important for uh, 
again, it's such a cliche, but it is important for other men to to hear that sort of stuff from, well, from men. And, yeah. Um, it's really interesting yeah. because I have so many people from this podcast, guys message me saying um, on, on Instagram and no one's ever been sleazy or inappropriate. They're always messaging me saying, I've learned so much. Thank you so much. I've Like my life has changed basically because I didn't know any of these things. I can't mm. believe it. All these things. And then when I speak to my guy mates, um, I have a few friends and we're on a group and we are, they're all married. And mm. I was seeing them recently and their husbands watch this, but not my friends, but their mm. husbands. And they were all saying, and all the guys I know say to me, that they relate so much to what you say. Um, it means and a that, lot. That's awesome. That when, even though they'd been friends with me for years, me saying these things to them wasn't actually always clicking because I was saying it in such a, maybe like I was coming at it too therapeutically to them mm. rather than just being like, mate, don't do this kind of thing or do this. Yeah. Um, so that they found it so helpful and agreed with, literally everything you said mm. and also the fact that you've come from this perspective into a completely different one throughout your upper it's interesting because there's some mm. things you've carried from your past and now like you still have that same thing where you throw yourself into 50 different projects and just maintain them all like at any given time of your mm. life like career or whatever but then the way like your perceptions and beliefs have like really ebbed and flowed and changed quite drastically yeah. through experience. And I do think that relationships are so fundamental in that as well. And they really do form us. And people say like, what's the key of life? And it's finding inner peace and fulfillment. I think the, the purpose of life is relationships because otherwise what are we doing? Just chilling at home for 80 years, like on our own kind of thing. Like it is really how we relate to others and, and our environment. Yeah. And if you're lucky enough to have, um, successful relationships or even turbulent relationships that you can like yours that you can reflect on and grow from mm. it's such a, a beautiful privilege that changes us for the better and I was so blessed that every guy I've dated has been shocking but every boyfriend I've had like literal mm. relationships well, yeah <laughs> but I only made the good ones my boyfriends except uh, okay. that one little two-month one. But everything else, every other boyfriend I had was at least two years, between two and four years, and there's mm. been like four or five. And um, I've been so lucky that all of my relationships were so healthy um, and I never had any like toxic mm. or, or drastic issues or basically I've never been hurt um, by a man that I've been in a relationship with. And it's Great. interesting to have this lived experience, but then peers around me and everyone I know has, or girls be like, every single guy I've dated has cheated on me. Every single guy mm. I've dated has hit me or guys, every single girl I've dated is a psycho, crazy bitch kind of like, yeah. or she's controlling and won't let me see my friends. Like it's really kind of interesting to delve into how our psychology relates to who we're with and why we're with them. So interesting. Yeah. And, and I think what you were saying about that analysis that the other psychologists had done on you about how you're in that 99th percentile, yeah. I would I would bet my life savings that that's a reason why you have such healthy relationships. Yeah. And so for the people who are in that position of saying this always happens to me, you know, I get these 
guys that cheat on me, I have these psycho. Because I would have thought that way, like, oh, I date these guys and they mm. just end up being crazy. It's like, no, actually, it was me. Mm. <laughs> like, um, you gotta, you gotta, like, it, it, it's, it's such a simple adage, just saying, work on yourself, work on yourself, yeah. or whatever. But it really does come down to that a lot. How you perceive yourself, your self worth, without being. Uh, delusionally cocky or anything yeah if you don't know these things you're not going to know how to look out for it you're not going to recognize like I always believe in I guess it's a spiritual statement but I live by the idea that the the universe or whatever will send you repeated patterns and experiences until you learn that lesson. So you will Absolutely. continuously go back and end up in shit relationship after shit relationship after shit relationship because you haven't learned that lesson. You haven't grown from that or you haven't realized what that kind of experience is and why it's happening. It's not your fault if you're being abused. It's never your fault. Mm. But why has that have you ended up in this situation so many times? So it is an interesting thing. And I guess on that, and I wish we talked about this in the past when we were talking about um, fuckboys and one of our podcasts, because that book by Mark Manson, um, the audio book I was talking about in the last one. What's it called? Is it Models? No, it's, okay. it's, um, it's, it's literally called um, Love Is Not Enough. Yeah, okay. And it's just an audio book, so okay. you can't buy it because it's basically interviews. Hmm. And one of the really, really fundamental takeaways, which I guess I'd always known, but to hear it verbalized in such a like succinct way was so powerful where he was saying the reason we're drawn to shitty people or fuck boys hmm. is because our innate baseline psychology is we are attracted to mysteriousness, right? And when you have an upgrowing uh, in your upbringing and you have a healthy relationship with your parents or you have a healthy relationship with boyfriends or girlfriends throughout your early years, you learn to develop other things that you find attractive, like loyalty and humor and, I don't know, whatever, um, kindness. But if you have had an upbringing or you haven't experienced those kind of positive qualities and learn to add that to like your tool belt of mm. things I find attractive, you're only stuck with the baseline, which is mysteriousness. Mm. And fuck boys are the epitome of mysteriousness because you don't know where you stand with them. <laughs> you don't know if they're going to commit to you. You don't know shit, basically. Yeah. Um, one day they're really hot, then one day they're cold and it drives you crazy, but you love it. So I thought that was so interesting that it made so much sense. When someone drives you crazy like that, you're expending a lot of mental energy thinking about yeah. them and then you develop an innate connection to that person because you're just thinking about yeah. them so much. If you know, if it's someone, even if you hate someone or even if it's a political figure or whatever, if you're just constantly thinking about mm. that hatred, you're almost, mm. you've got a relationship with that person yeah. right? because you're just always thinking about them. Um, exactly. The, I guess I've heard another theory, which is that what a fuck boy, or when we say fuck boy, right, what a, I guess you can call him a cheater or like a... Non-committal. Yeah, that kind of guy. Sleazy fuck around. The qualities he shows is that the ability to manipulate, the ability to, um, you know, uh, get his way is subconsciously attractive because in, you know, caveman times or whatever, that is the guy that would have most likely yeah. been able to attain all the resources yeah. and things. That's the other, that's the um, evolutionary, that's yeah. one of the evolutionarily, evolutionary biolo biological uh, theories Absolutely. behind that. Absolutely, yeah. It makes so much sense. And another one which... Um, 
is an in, kind of more like a controversial one that people, no one ever wants to hear this. But I was actually talking about this with my friend yesterday when she was talking about how she goes after a lot of men and she's very attracted to guys that don't want her. And yep. what she was saying is like, it drives me crazy that these guys don't want, that don't want me. So I fixate on them, but really they're below average and I'm not even interested in them. Mm. And the reason why this can happen is it's actually an ego thing that our egos uh, struggle with the idea that this person is not sexually attracted to me. Therefore, I'm hmm. going to make them sexually attracted oh, to yeah. prove that to myself. Um, so it's it's not necessarily just about self-worth because usually these people have really high self-esteem. But if you have a higher ego, that actually can go hand in hand with wanting people that don't want you because it's yeah. like this, I've got to fix this right now. And um, I I can't remember who was saying it. Um, it wasn't like a famous psychologist, something I came across once where they were saying that humans are driven by um, social validation. We're social creatures and every mm. single thing in our life is essentially driven by two things. It's either validation or shame or trying to avoid shame. Mm. So I'm not going to steal from this person, this elderly lady, because I'll feel ashamed or the community will shame me or whatever. And I'm going to do this because I want to get validated and that we can become attracted to people in relationships or we can become attracted to people we don't want. Or when we're in a relationship attracted to someone else, it's because we're seeking additional or just any of that extra validation from someone else uh, because it makes us feel good. Validation mm. makes any human feel amazing. And that's why positive psychology exists where I'll just be like, Neil, like, that's really amazing that you sat here and shared your past with me. That's really brave. And thank you for making yourself vulnerable. It makes you feel good. It does, yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I don't know if brave <laughs> is the word I'd use, but sure. I'll yeah, take, but you know it. what I mean. You get the gist. <laughs> um, it's 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 as simple as uh, the cat phenomenon where, you know, you give a cat a toy and they don't want to play with it as soon as you take it away and you get it out of its reach. And then they're like, oh, no, wait, I don't want that. Yeah. It's exactly the same. You know, it can be weaponized in dating a lot when people say, oh, don't text her for three days. Mm. Always make her unsure of whether you're, you know, you're interested or not. And and look, there's an, there's an argument to say you could, if you're really keen and in love with someone – you probably don't want to just say that straight away after one date. Oh, I love you so much. I had the best date. I want you yeah. to be my girlfriend, right? Yeah. Because that actually shows a lack of self-worth. It's like you yeah. hardly know this person. And but... emotional intelligence. You don't love them. Exactly. You lust them. Yes, there's <laughs> Infatuated. that. Infatuated. There's yeah. that. But uh, that, uh, y- you know, when someone cheats, from what I've heard, no one's cheating, that I know of, no one's cheating on me, but... Um, that actually can draw the other person. They're like, well, am I not giving you? You know, they latch mm. on then. Yeah. And really abusive people can actually use that to their advantage yes. in a relationship. Similarly, they can sort of uh, detach from a relationship, even if they're doing it subconsciously, mm. to try and get that person to mm. really put their claws back in, yeah. which uh, is really, it's dangerous. It's very human. Mm. We all have some element of that, but you want to minimize that as much as possible. Um, but so we want true. things we think are a bit unattainable because if they're easily attainable, it's it's boring. It's not it's no fun. There's no chase, um, but it's safer. <laughs> so you should probably yeah. try to 
look past those uh, feelings of excitement and you don't have to go for the completely dull, boring, safe option all the time. Yeah. But you want someone who's emotionally intelligent. That's why I think that I like saying to guys, have a bit of edge to you in the sense that don't make it dishonesty and don't be a fuckboy, but like be a bit interesting, be a bit, uh, have some sort of mystery or edge to you, whatever that may be. That be could weird. be something That's a bit, cool. <laughs> yeah, if it's a bit of weirdness, a bit something yeah. a bit peculiar, or if it, you know, you are, uh, uh, sort of maybe physically really, um, fit or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. I just, if you're just this really safe, wears a suit, goes to your usual job, texts back all the time, mm. always buys flowers. That's probably, I don't know, you'd, that'd probably get boring, right? You want like something yeah. there that's not, if it's, as long as it's not lying or it's Malicious, cheating or something yeah. like that. But if it's like, oh, cool, it's a bit exciting when he does this. So when, yeah. you know, you can keep, he's you a bit can, passionate about this thing or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, that's, that's, you hit on it in this last moment. You can put kind of mystery and intrigue in your relationships in the simplest of ways. It doesn't mean playing mind games. It can be literally just finding someone or something attractive when, like if you, a lot of women find it attractive when they see their man like put up a washing machine or set up an Ikea furniture or <laughs> or whatever or play their sport, not necessarily because it's masculine but also because it's, it's an interest um, mm. or men might be attracted to a girl because they like that she's like an introverted, reads her books, kind of different from other girls that they've dated. Or maybe they like that she's social and outgoing. And, and, and if you maintain those things that they were attracted to, your relationship can kind of maintain that essence of like attraction. Because what happens is we often start with lots of hobbies and we socialize heaps and then we fall into a relationship and you drop all your hobbies and then you stop socializing as much because you, you, your social needs are met from your partner. And then the things that they were attracted to you in the beginning no longer exist in you. And that's what I think the guru of this is Essa Perel when she talks a lot about this in her book, Mating, with, um, Mating in, Mating Capti in Captivity, Captivity. Is the Bible. Is the Bible. You've got to read that. And if you have ever experienced cheating or you have cheated, listen to her podcast, Where Should We Begin? Because it will change your perspective and inform you more on cheating than you would ever, ever have learned. It's just amazing. It's her recorded with actual couples that she does therapy She's off. a genius. Like, yeah. she, I think she's actually, yeah, a, she's like the Einstein of relationship. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember like when COVID started, and she like put up this Instagram story and like, so she's like, like we've been said, like the God of relationships. She put an Instagram story up and she's like, look, COVID has made me extremely sick of my husband. We're isolating together. I cannot stand him and I do want to kill him. And I just want you to know that this is normal and this is going to happen. Like, yeah, kind of the thing. urge to commit murder. And I was like, it's oh, very she's normal. She's amazing. Thing. Yeah. I love that. So funny. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's our uh, respective journeys to this point. Yes, exactly. That was, uh, was definitely the most I've opened up on any podcast. So there you go, listeners. Hope you liked that. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. And thank you as well for sharing uh, your story, I guess. Oh, you're welcome, Neil. <laughs> thank you. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's been a – relationships are definitely a – interesting topic that people love to talk about and hear about as well um and it, it, i guess it really is our entire life centers around Definitely. it because 90 percent of the problems you have bar like financial problems are to do with relationships and how you are relating with someone or, or 
Um, yeah. How, who, how they're impacting you. So all these people that were, were and when I say all these people, the two or three, but the <laughs> comments that were like, so many things happening in the world and you're choosing to talk about, you know, Tinder or whatever. Well, look, all right, like I said, if everyone can improve their uh, dating life and their relationship and their sex life, say 10%. Yeah. That's going to drastically improve the world, yeah. okay? And it will affect everything other, Everything else. There'll be a flow-on effect. It'll affect politics and mm. decision-making and the economy even. I'll even put that out there. If you can <laughs> improve your sex, if everyone improved their sex life 10%, I actually think there'll be a flow-on effect to the economy. Yes. <laughs> uh, the sex life is a whole whole other ball game that we should talk about one time and go into that because it's it is um, a lot of people ask me constantly about what's normal in relationships and what happened why is this happened or why do we not have sex much or do i have sex too much and that's a whole kind of interesting thing <laughs> to unpack as well <laughs> it's a thing <laughs> interesting yeah um, or do sure. you desire it too much like Imagine if um, is this, a, is this a, a female asking if she has sex too much or a male? It's more common in men, but it definitely happens to females too. And it can actually you can be a little bit too far up on that side sometimes. Not necessarily at the point of sex addiction, but you could be like um, you you might say to your girlfriend, "I'm really sad, Sarah." This is making making a name up. Um, my grandma's died, and then Sarah might be like, oh, "I'll make you feel better. Let me." Yeah, right, right. Let me, right. whatever, get on there. But then to some people, they'd be like, hell yeah. And yeah, then to right. others, they'd be like, that is so fucking disrespectful. I just told you my grandma died. I'm crying. Like, you know, it's people that are kind of more on this end are um, more yeah. likely to use sex to resolve issues, resolve well, conflicts. It's their love language. It's their, yeah, almost. But it's all, it goes like deeper haha, yeah. um, than that, where it's kind of like a, I need this to validate that I feel good, that you desire me, that um, I need a quick dosage of like dopamine right now. Um, hmm. So someone pleasure me because I'm not going to deal with this pain or this experience. Yeah. No, I can see how that would be pretty unhealthy. And mm. uh, yeah, if it was the other way and if, if a female partner said, oh, my grandma just died. Oh, it's all right. And yeah, let me just put into, my dick in your mouth. Get my dick out. Imagine. I'm pretty sure that relationship will be over. Um, It'd be gone. <laughs> funny story. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to? Well, I mean, we've we've talked about now what we wanted to talk about on this podcast, our backgrounds. Um, what do you want to do with this? Because, you know, we've been doing this for six months now. What do you hope to achieve with this i guess i've sort of touched on i want to help i i just like talking about it so personal enjoyment and just um opening up more of a conversation about these sorts of things without a too much of a political slant on it because often when people talk about these sort the sort of things we do it's seen as this like it's empowering and which it is but you know where it's finally people are talking about this and i don't want to sort of have that mm. you know and I think it's very, like you say, I'm very like a logical. Yeah. Well, I think I am, but then some of the psychology tests I've taken, I'm I'm sometimes quite emotional as well. But generally, when it comes to these sorts of things, 
I like reading a lot. I'd respond, you know, whenever you're like, well, the statistics of this, I'm like, okay, then I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Whereas if it's like, well, personally, this happened in my life, I'm like, yeah, but like, you always that- respond when I say something a bit odd. You're like, I'd like to read the statistics on this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's me. Yeah. Um, You're a head thinker and I'm a heart thinker. You lead by like so usually like what makes sense and what's rational and yeah. how this comes to be. I led by this feels good or mm, nah, don't like this. That's it. I think that's a fair summation of our uh, respective personality traits. But then again, there are times when I'm definitely more of a feeler. Mm. Um but yeah, on the on this podcast, I'd say I yeah like to rationally unpack things. I guess yeah, and you gotta because otherwise we'll get hate being like, "Where's the facts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's the science? Facts above feelings, bro." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of where I want this to go, you know what? I don't know. I just throw myself into anything and just go yeah. with the flow, see what happens. See what happens. Good... Um, I talk about like I will have like 80 conversations like this, like we do a week anyway. So it doesn't feel like draining or mm. whatever or like I'm doing anything different. It's aside from the fact that there's a microphone in front of me and, and um, headphones. Mm. But this would just be any everyday conversation I have. It's good though that I like that you – um respond so much to it because well i mean when i go home and like talk to like my boyfriend about it, he's very quiet and shy and so i'll just be like going on this three-hour rant about something and he'll be like hmm. yes that's interesting <laughs> and then you'll be like wait but the devil advocate what about this right. <laughs> what about that that doesn't make sense well that's because he's probably worked the whole day whereas this is my work <laughs> so if i've done this the whole day then my yeah. girlfriend came home and He's Start more of that. like I'd a. Be like, All right, let, he's a reflector, <laughs> and you're like sense. a. Let me challenge this. <laughs> In a right? Good way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to do as much as possible. I like the idea of being the devil's advocate, and always, whether I agree with the view or not, uh, I like questioning it and and sort of seeing if it holds up to scrutiny. Yeah. Try to do that on my other podcasts as well, and mm. even when I was interviewing, doing those few brief interviews. Uh, which, yeah, by the way, I'm no longer doing that Educate Me series. It was just too much. That was the only reason. It was just too much of a workload. Um, but, yeah, I'm always trying to – it's just boring if it's someone if – if I'm listening to someone talk and I'm like, mm, I agree. Yep, so true. Yeah. Yep, 100%. Oh, that's me doing that right now. <laughs> I was just, well, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was just boring after a while. Yeah. So, yeah, I like to get in the to and fro of – I'd say debate, discourse. Yeah, and you need to challenge things to make sense to to yourself. Otherwise, you'll you'll hear things and be like, hmm, okay, and then not actually believe it or whatever. And also, yeah. in, on this platform, people are going to have very opposing views to it. Um, and it's good to play devil's advocate because at the end of the day, we come from a perspective where we we are young, we are privileged, we live in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. So we're going to have much more, very different views and experiences to the rest of the world as well. So very. it's good to be r- reminded of those things too. Yeah, very, 100%. Um, couldn't agree more, even though I just said I'd like to challenge things, but that's a, that's a good <laughs> point. <laughs> I want to finish on, did you, you know, okay, so I posted a highlight. I think I messaged you about this. When we did the racial disparities in dating one, right? And I posted the highlight to Instagram. And when I post the highlight, sometimes I'm like, all right, what is the most, with the caption and things, I'm like, let's try to make this a bit, you Juicy. know, provocative mm. so that there is a bit of a comment war going on. 
But um, man, the comments on that was intense. It was like, because yeah. the way we cut it was um, the first sentence was like you saying, it does beg the question, is it racist to have a racial dating <laughs> preference? Because I knew, okay, we open on that. Just going to get people yeah, in the comments. Yeah, you dickheads. The summary of that I yeah. concluded was it's not racist. Exactly. That's <laughs> what I was even like responding, being like, did you guys watch? <laughs> even if you watch the whole of that highlight, I'm sitting there being like, yeah, even if those preferences exist, you can't focus on it. Like, well, it doesn't yeah. matter. You're allowed to date who you want. Yet people just, um, it's funny because, yeah, I'm, I'm usually on their side that yeah. you know people are too sensitive and always talking about race and gender but then no you can still have a conversation about that like it's ridiculous i know they, they, I, got, yeah. I, I actually got yeah well i got triggered because i was like this is just cancerous do you know what's funny <laughs> actually about this is in one of our podcasts i had yeah. said that it's important to have curious conversations and come yeah. from a curious standpoint explore other people's point of views hmm. respect it even if you disagree um and or educate yourself or educate someone else learn something teach something whatever and then someone came at me in the comments about how you can't just um say you can't just be curious you need to have your standpoint and stay with that and defend that and i was like oh, i give up <laughs> There's always, yeah, there's always some comment because 99% of comments are usually very positive. I really wanted to. But I haven't we have ever, a bias towards the ones yeah. that aren't and we think we get defensive. Um, I haven't ever like responded to any comments on, I don't even think I have a YouTube account or anything, but I really wanted to reply to him being like, oh, I'm so curious about why you think that. <laughs> like, can you tell great... me more and then have him fall into the trap of it But uh -huh, to prove great... my point? But I was yeah. like, I'm not going to waste my energy. I mean, you, got, you can, you can, I think by you saying being curious, it doesn't mean uh, don't speak up if you disagree. Yeah. It just means listening and learning and then still challenging, right? It's oh, not. exactly Being curious doesn't mean uh not having a value judgment on different ideas it just means what well, just means being curious it means being inquisitive and and really trying to understand it to as best a degree as you possibly can and not being dismissive mm. we don't always we're not always the uh well especially nowadays people aren't always the best at that but um i think that's what we should be striving for and there's a whole lifetime of experiences that has led to someone to think a certain way and to just reduce that to simply their ignorance mm. is actually quite ignorant mm. because you don't know what they've gone through, what they've experienced, what they've listened to, what they've learned to come to that conclusion. Exactly. And even to say it's all just propaganda, well, yeah, possibly, possibly. But that's a very easy thing to think about. You know, it's easy to just dismiss other people's ideas or they've just been influenced by propaganda. I get, I, I, there is definite truth to that. Mm. Uh, but um, I think it's still worthwhile to really steal. The thing, Eric Weinstein, I think, came up with this term called, you know when they say you straw man someone's ideas is just giving it the worst possible interpretation. So, right. you know, someone... Uh, if I were to straw man, you know, feminism be like, oh, you just, you just hate men or whatever. That's a straw, right? Man, right? Okay, it's like, yeah. gotcha. but, but what you want to do is steal man. So give them the best possible, you know, even if you disagree with it, right? Give it the best possible version of their argument. Hmm. 
So, you know, the, percept- you know the, the quest for equal political, social representation and opportunity and mm. I don't know, I, yeah, there'd be a better way to de- describe it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Um, exactly. Well, the thing is, is that people can only meet you as far as they've met themselves. So if you're putting in concepts and ideas that they have not, they can't comprehend um, these ideas, it's not going to make sense and they're going to be frustrated and be like, no. Mm. Like if we're saying things like, you know, up your self-worth and work on yourself, reflect, know about your ego and your subconscious and no one has ever heard of these things before, they're going to mm. be like, shut the hell up, you Yeah, hippie. we just sound wanky yeah. as fuck. I, even literally four years ago, I would have listened to this podcast and been like, this is the yeah. wankiest white girl yeah, shit I've ever exactly. fucking heard in my life. Yeah. Um, but here I am. So... He's a with the long hair, girl. long hair and friggin' bracelets. Oh, you do. And I'm a <laughs> hippie. Cute. Yeah. He's I'm an anti woke hippie. <laughs> what um, a plot twist. Yeah. <laughs> now, even that, I was reflecting on some of the last few podcasts I did later in the end. I was like, oh, I was a bit accusatory and incendiary there. I could have, I still believed everything I said. This was more of the ones I did with Jordan, but mm. still firmly believe everything I said and stood up for in those podcasts. But there was a way I could have set, articulated it better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not an excuse, but yeah, it was that was the busiest time of my year and things. Again, yeah. not an excuse to say something if you say something wrong, but um, that's the thing with podcast. You're just having a chat, so you're always going to say something or casually or yeah, awkwardly it is. And, it's and hard because it it's I've been pulled up on that too, and I'm like, it's hard because sometimes I will maintain, you know kind of like a therapeutic perspective and yeah, an analysis sure. and reflection. And then other times I'll slip into it like a 26-year-old female being like, oh, my God, this fucking happened to me. It's so shit. Sure. And then it's kind of like this conflict between the two or once someone got really angry at me because I had said um, that it's – I had fe- felt uncomfortable when I said that it shouldn't really be that way about men only wanting – women that are 20 and finding that attractive. That mm. was the comment I had said. And I'd said that from like an emotional perspective of my perspective, not like biology or whatever. And then he was like, you need to shut up with your opinion on this. And it's like- Was this a comment or yeah, was it- Yeah, a- I think it was a comment or a message. It might be both. Um, and you get so many. I never get messages from this podcast. You get so many. Probably because I've only got like 300 followers on that Instagram. So yeah, people are probably okay. like, well, she'll reply. Like, which uh, I do. And I do. <laughs> So I reply to them. I try to reply to them. No, actually, I don't. I've been inundated with them lately because I've been getting all these like good tick. Anyway, sorry, go on. I interrupted you a bit there. Well, that was basically yeah. it. Was okay. just that he um he kind of had a go at me for say stating something that was against science, and I was like, I understand uh-huh. that, but. <laughs> It's okay to put forth opinions as well and experiences and and realize that your opinions aren't always, you know, fact or whatever. And that's like 90% of jealousy can be things that are irrational. Yeah. Or, but it's okay to recognize, okay, I'm feeling jealous or I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling angered or pissed off by this. Like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. For sure. And I think there's also, a, you can say that it is a scientific fact that, uh, women are most attractive in their early 20s, but you can also sort of sympathize with an, mm. you know, a single 32-year-old yeah. woman that's maybe a bit past her physical prime that is struggling to date. So still, you can still sympathize mm. with, uh, you know, 
the 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 response to that reality or even challenge it and be like nah fuck it women in their 30s are the hottest of all or women in their 40s has what she wants is a woman mm. ambitious you know like it's okay to challenge things and it, yeah then everything it, in it there sort of depends what you call hot and all, yeah, yeah it's like the real the monogamous of- verse um polyamorous debate there is millions of okay maybe not millions but hundreds of thousands of studies and research done uh-huh. about this and there is not one agreed upon response as to what is the healthiest outcome or what is yeah. what we should be in this day and age it's there's there's contradictions in everything there's contradictions about you know when do we give transgender children hormones and when do we do this there's going to be pros and cons for both for everything so yeah that's my rant no it's all good <laughs> Um, well, yeah, you can message me as well if you, you know, everyone messages you. <laughs> so I actually don't, can't promise that I'll respond, but, um, I'll send I'll like a nine to, page essay back. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's why they message you because you know, yeah. you're going to get a great response. Um, you could be, you should try to like some of those posts you do are so good. You should do more. The ones where it's like uh, these are the trauma bonds, or you know, uh, those the love languages. That's yeah. Of I'm gonna put right. things. Like, I always do. forget I even have that Instagram account. I literally only use it to reply to messages. But I got yeah. I gotta put things it's, on it. It's a lot. It's almost akin to that. You know that wonderful account, the holistic psychologist. Yes, she's so, so good. good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I should probably wrap this one up. But um, thanks for listening guys subscribe <laughs> and go to neilkohacker.com slash podcast if you want to purchase a paid subscription which will get you some perks or have us talk about a topic of your choosing or a relationship issue of yeah, your choosing send us something juicy yeah i'm actually yeah you know it's 30 bucks like come on yeah. uh um, I'm doing this for free. I'm over it. Now you have to subscribe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We want your money. All right. Um, <laughs> this is our equivalent of OnlyFans. COVID too, you know. <laughs> we're really yeah, dopamine. We'll, and... we'll have to get onto OnlyFans. So, oh, that will make them not no. pay. <laughs> um, no, I'm definitely not getting onto OnlyFans anytime soon. Um, and we'll see you next time. See you next week. Bye.